This the link up. This the link up. This the link up. Welcome to the link up. This the link up. This the link up. This the link up. Welcome to the link up. Yes, yes, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Link Up Podcast with you, host, Mr. King. And on today's episode, we'll be recapping certain stuff, going over certain things, which, you know, won't do too long of an intro and all of that. Like, <clears throat> no need to lay out all the topics right in front. Like, I hope y'all can trust me, enjoy, like, trust me enough to let me take y'all on this journey through music and the things that I'm interested in and all of that. But anyway, you know, um, the first thing I will talk about, Certified Lover Boy. At this point, I know it's a little bit late. I'm a little behind the curve to some degree on all the people that have already done reviews on all of this. But, you know, their opinions aren't my opinions. And hearing everybody talk about this album, there's been a whole bunch of mixed reviews on the is it better than the Honda? Is the Honda better than this one? And honestly, I don't know. Like, I heard Styles P talk about it, and it's like, there's more rapping on Drake's album. I kind of listen to that more because of the just general feel of it. It's something that has a little bit more replay value to a certain degree. Like, it's more catchy, it's more. Um, structured in a traditional way but Donda is like the um, subject matter what he's actually talking about that part of it is more personal that part makes more sense or is like it's more stimulating I guess in terms of what is actually being said what is being talked about it's personal relatable type of stuff versus Drake and is you know Drake just raps about Drake's Drake type stuff Chicks he fucking or not fucking anymore. Chicks he wants to fuck. <clears throat> Typical Drake shit, you know? Down that there's at least some food for the soul. There's some more positive messages, you know? All of that type of stuff. <clears throat> but in regards to which one is better, they're two very different albums. Like, I agree. I agreed with Styles, P, Styles P's take. Which is like, why do I have to compare them? They're two different albums, y'all giving me two different types of things. One is named after Kanye's dead mom. The other is certified lover boy, which is just talking about some female stuff. It's like two very different approaches to music that they've always had two very different approaches to music. I guess the one commonality or similarity you can say between the two is they've always been they've been somewhat experimental throughout their career. Kanye more so than Drake but Drake has also been somebody to try mad new shit in terms of going everywhere culture vulturing their sound is adopting their accent whether it's Jamaican British whoever he feels like being around and pretending to be today but you know he experiments as well so you know it's just a different form of experiment than the way Kanye does with all his weirdo stuff sips tea But to me, the one interesting thing that I felt like it should have made the album in terms of Donda or talking about Donda, like that Andre 3000 verse and song, like I wish Kanye finished his verse because to me, it doesn't sound like a finished verse, but like had Kanye finished that verse, finish the song altogether put that on the album that is something i greatly would appreciate but you know it's out there for the world to hear leaked or whatever so it is something that can still be listened to so that is something i appreciate but then we have um another album we have something that's actually a little more recent something i kind of want to talk about baby keen the melodic blue Cause you know, I felt I felt like I pretty much said all that I needed to say regarding CLB and Donda. Like, it's not a whole in-depth breakdown and stuff that I feel those albums need, especially at this point that it's been weeks since they dropped. 
everybody has been talking about both of those albums for quite some time at this point is like i think people are sick of hearing about tlb and donda well i guess kind of something else to add to that is like the met gala thing was not too long ago since i'm recording this because i believe um, what this thursday morning at like a ridiculous hour in the morning <clears throat> so the met gala wasn't too long ago and then we had kim and kanye there looking like they did in their all black i don't even know dystopian post-apocalyptic warfare outfit like that that's the only way i can think to describe the way kim and kanye have been dressing for like donda and post donda <clears throat> it looked like they know something we don't and they prepare it for it <laughs> makes you think about all the illuminati type stuff you know is there any merit to it looking at the way kanye has been preparing us for the hunger games with each one of his fashion shows like it's just been getting more and more dystopian post-apocalyptic in terms of look now we can't even see Kim's Kim or Kanye's face because they're doing this just complete mask. They, they're taking the mask protocols to like the highest level of absurdity, in my opinion. That that is what Kim and Kanye is. Well, Kanye and forcibly so Kim is now being dragged along, you know, because Kanye is the genius in all of this. Like genius, arguably in asterisk quotation marks, you know. I don't know. For me, recording videos distracting. I like the part like podcasting with just me speaking it's a lot easier without thinking about what i look like and am i making <clears throat> am i making the right faces am i overthinking certain things because i definitely do tend to look way too much into the camera if i'm actually recording film and me looking at myself i start to think am i making the right hand movements Am I, do I look the right way on camera? All of these things start to go into my head and I start overthinking too much and not really focusing on what I'm saying, which should be the main point of a podcast, like having your thoughts together and all of that. But yeah, um, where was I? Baby Keem, the melodic blue. So originally kind of, I wanted to do a, like i wanted to listen to his first two albums before coming back to this one maybe i will and then update my review on this project but in checking this out and looking at some of the responses to it i saw people mentioning that this is his third project and it's like where were y'all like was i the only one listening to his i forgot the name of it project back in 2019 and stuff like that there were some of those comments online and I only mention that because I saw people saying that this project sounds like a watered down version of his previous ones. And to me, that was an interesting take listening to this project because I haven't heard anything Baby Keem drop other than Family Ties. And I think maybe one song because he, like, he's been associated with the PG Lang and all of that for a minute with Kendrick. So it was like I've been thinking or I heard a song or two. But anyway first full project that i'm hearing being the melodic blue from baby keen and it's interesting the start up is like there's no one particular box you can put this project in it sounds like a mix of everything it sounds like what somebody raised by around like raised around the culture of tde would make in good and bad ways because it's somebody it sounds like somebody that's not afraid to take risks that's not afraid to try things that might not necessarily work that, uh, that haven't been proven let's say by other people <clears throat> like there's a lot of different random sounds and transitions in the production is very varied like there's a lot of difference there's some trap sound and stuff there's some stuff that sounds very like almost no drums or very minimal minimalistic in terms of drums and it's more instrumental driven just like more melodic driven i guess not instrumental it sounds more it sounds like things tyler would create or some things kanye would make 
if you think on for example run away with a long ass outro on some of the like it, some of the beats they sound like things Kanye would rap on things maybe Chance would rap on maybe like Amine cause he's a little weird he's a little different out there it, it reminds me kinda like that with while still sounding like Kendrick like there's certain inflections and the way he projects his voice on the mic when he gets into his actual rapping bag cause there's certain moments where he's kinda getting into like a early Lil Wayne S bag where he's kinda singing and crooning that kinda thing there's certain ones where he's like he's just really like straight up rapping rapping <clears throat> there's all kind of sounds and influences on this project some of my favorite songs are scapegoats like scapegoats has a really beautiful beat the song is about like one minute or two minutes because it's pretty much just one verse and then you kind of end the song off and for me it's like that was mad disappointing because what he was rapping about the beat on that song is like I wanted more of that my favorite song Scapegoats South Africa Vent Range Brother, Brothers all the stuff with Kendrick of course I'm biased you know y'all y'all should know this from all of my TDE talk on the, on the previous episodes and Absol called him the future and I could kind of see where Absol is coming from because to me it does sound like in some ways a perfected version of a lot of things TDE would experiment with over the years while doing some other things that they wouldn't necessarily because most of the TDE members at least the rapping dudes they all been pretty like real lyricist lyricists like this real serious about the rapping side Keem seems to me and I know he's on PG Lang and not TDE but it's hard to look at, it's hard not to look at it as an extension of this all the same thing like they're the same branch for example why is Soul calling baby Keem the future from my understanding Soul profits in no way off of baby Keem's project him being on TDE baby Keem being on PG Lang but they are like sister or brother labels while we want to look at it <laughs> so I get it but yeah like I'm saying he sounds he, he channels some of the young thug-ish kind of sound some of the Roddy Rich, the hey boogie you know you know the melodic singy kind of rapping is not just straight up rapping rapping just like he definitely embraces autotune a lot channel channel some travis scott type of sounds so i get where he's coming from with the future he's an amalgamation it's hard to pin down it sounds kind of abstract in certain ways it's like abstract rap but then with a very like childlike infusion a very youthful feeling towards a lot of it and there's one moment that had me kind of reevaluating an opinion that i gave on this podcast where it was on the song Family Ties when I was talking about Family Ties and there's the last line in it where Baby Keem says um, number two DM in his chick that's cool he don't ask why there's another song on this album I'm blanking on the name right now but there's another song on this album where he's kind of delving into these topics again where like the chorus of one of the songs is he needs him a chick that no one knows and this had me starting to think like my initial thought was on that line from family ties was that kendrick was who inspired or wrote that line and when it just be and it was just baby keem delivering it <clears throat> kind of implying that like drake was in kendrick's girls dms or something like that or cole whoever you honor imagine as number two but with that other song that was pretty much going further into the same vein the same thought process way of thinking type of thing it started to make me wonder like maybe keem really wrote that line because there's a lot of you know chick talk kind of on this album so it just made me wonder like you know was number two in baby keem's dms i mean the, ch the DMs of Baby Keem's chick. If that's the case, 
It's interesting, and it makes me wonder who's Baby Keem's chick and why would Drake allegedly care about who Baby Keem is with? Makes me think either he got a really bad chick or Drake just petty like that that he don't even care and just knowing the fact that he's close to Kendrick is like, it's just a weird thing. But anyway, now that Certified Lover Boy, Donda, the Melodic Blue, and so to the way. There's another project that I kind of wanted to talk about that I think might be album of the year. Because, like, the Melodic Blue from Baby Keem is interesting. I appreciate the Kendrick moments, but as an overall project, it's very inconsistent in terms of songs that I like because of how experimental it is. It isn't really one consistent vibe where you can say, oh, I like this song, I like this song, I like this song. It's like you gotta really pick and choose because every song is a different direction almost and it has like two or three directions within the song itself. So it's like, it's difficult to say what I like. And even Range Brothers is like super weird and this top of the morning, let's get the shit. Like I was super thrown off and very confused as to what Kendrick was doing when I first heard the song. When I hear it now, I'm still confused by what Kendrick is doing, but in terms, but I've gotten used to it now, so it's like less weird, but it's still a weird ass song. And then, compared to Donda and CLB, Benny the Butcher's album is a third or half the length. Like there's nine songs on it, compared to Kanye's 24, I think it was, however many songs that that Kanye, that long ass hour and 48 minutes project was however many songs it had on it Benny the Butcher song had album had nine songs and in my opinion it has like nine hits or nine songs that I just let the album play and I have absolutely no issue just letting it play over and over and over this album sounds like Benny already did the selection that people might be doing from Donda and CLB and just cutting it down to 9 or 10 songs that they actually like and just playing those. Benny's project sounds like he already did that and I'm late on the Benny project because this dropped earlier in the year. But shout out to Ryan, Susanna, he was on the podcast before you know season 1. I kind of was discussing this with him and he put me on to he recommended that I should check out um, plugs I met too from Benny and I did and I wasn't disappointed he mentioned that one and another project which was To Kill a Sunrise by Kota the Friend and I don't want to say too much on Kota's album because I checked it out I listened to it I enjoyed it I definitely got like the vibe that it's in it's something that i would enjoy but just to be honest like when i checked out benny's project that's pretty much all i've been listening to so it's like that listening to benny's project got in the way of me properly dissecting both clb thunder like every other album that dropped that i was kind of thinking about and trying to gather my thoughts and collect my thoughts on it to really see like how do i feel about them and give an in-depth review Benny's project got in the way of that because I was just listening to it over and over and over and it's like the thing is it sounds like the perfect album because Harry Fraud did the production on it it's one of those albums where it's one rapper one producer so it's a consist a pretty consistent sound throughout the entire album and the production that Harry Fraud did on this project is like next level in my opinion and it complements the drug talk that benny does so well like the drug talk and that kind of that element of rap that's like second nature to benny and this music it just makes it sound so gangster like old school gangster mafioso italian mob bars like that kind of gangster it makes it it complements it so well but the project is like amazing. I agree. Cause the reason this even came up in my conversation with Ryan was like, he was talking about album of the year type thing. I gave him some of my con- my candidates at the time. He gave me his, 
and I was like, I didn't check them out, so I couldn't give an opinion to say whether I agreed with his take. And I don't haven't listened to it. I, like, you know, there's just difference of opinion and stuff like that. It's all subjective. It's music, but you know, he had Tyler, Kota, and some other album. I forgot. I think it might have been Nas, but I don't remember. He had Benny Kota, Benny Kota, Tyler, and some something else in his albums of the year i had some different ones in mind mine like i said was nas pretty much had it cole had it at a point in time because at the time nobody else really dropped now at this point in the year i haven't heard clb donda melodic blue benny's project like benny might be it it might be between nas and benny but in a way i'm thinking benny because it's like i like a lot of songs are almost all the songs on Nas's project but I genuinely like I think all the songs on Benny's project like I'm not a huge fan of French Montana and Benny made me appreciate a French Montana verse and I know it's not fair to say it's Benny because it's Harry Fraud and Harry Fraud and French Montana like the last time I was a fan of um, French Montana it was when he was rapping on stuff from Harry Fraud so like Harry Fraud is old school is like classic French so this is the French that people like not all this pop that don't stop and you know mainstream club hit single unforgettable French Montana like that side of French Montana is cool for the people that stay in the clubs and like that type of music or whatever. But I appreciated the Coke Boys mixtapes type of French. Even though I'm not a drug dealing gangster rap type person, I ain't never sold no drugs type of stuff. Like I like that kind of music. To me, it just feels like actually rapping about something versus just rapping about the club, like frivolous music that just here gone tomorrow type thing here today gone tomorrow but if you haven't heard it i recommend anybody to go and check out the plugs i met too from benny the butcher to round this off we can talk about verses and i didn't see the whole thing because for whatever reason on the trailer app they don't have the whole um, verses so maybe I need to check YouTube for one of those you know unofficial official streams one of those bootleg versions that might have caught it from the beginning because I thought Triller being the official app thing I assumed they would have the whole verses but they basically started from the intermission so that was kind of like halfway through the battle I don't know maybe I was doing something wrong maybe I gotta reconfigure some things but the battle started from the intermission when fat joe went and did an outfit change apparently but yeah verses happen like i said i'm recording this on saturday more on thursday morning i mean and the verses was tuesday evening like on my time holland time or whatever like the verses happened 2 a.m or something like that our time or maybe might have been earlier one o'clock i don't remember but <clears throat> Pat Joe and Jaru did a verses. And from the half that I saw, it looked like like a complete blowout basically. It looked like it was the Jaru show. Pat Joe was struggling to keep up. And they brought they had a lot of guests out, you know. That was a highlight of, of the night. Ashanti came out. Ashanti came out and did songs with both of them. Nelly came out which was a weird moment because he came out on Fat Joe's set they did a song that part you know made sense it was cool no problems there brought some momentum back to kind of Fat Joe's side a little bit because <clears throat> for, for some reason you know Fat Joe was trying to really sell the sexy and playing some of his more you know chick his records aimed at the girls and stuff like that and it just wasn't working because like Fat Joe is Fat Joe without me getting too deep into you know what that means me being a guy and stuff like that but i was watching it with a young lady and this was the opinion that she was giving me while i was watching and it's like yeah i mean it was 
it was hard not to see where she was coming from whereas like when you're trying to sell a sexy record generally how fat joe does it is by featuring with somebody that kind of has that quote-unquote um what, what's the word i'm looking for the, the i can't find the word i'm blanking on it right now but basically you know somebody that can sell sex somebody that has that I, I don't know why the word i'm blanking on the word but the male artist with the sex appeal the, so basically you know hollering at chris brown there was a another playing the song another round um there was another song he had with i forget who was the other r&b feature but he had the other r&b and that like and these were the guests that he didn't have and even for one of his biggest moments you know when he played um make it rain it's like i was expecting that when i was looking for it to me i feel like playing the remix would have been a great opportunity to bring out some more guests and like because make it rain it's one of those songs where it's like make it rain is a huge song but we don't remember make it rain necessarily for fat joe's contribution on it like the chorus is where it's at so if he had brought out Lil Wayne for that that would have been a moment if he even did the remix I know R. Kelly is on the remix and that probably played into some of why he's like okay let me not do the remix but <clears throat> you could have did the remix and called T.I. to do his verse called like, you know some of the other people that were involved in the remix that made it like you know a moment even bring out scott storage had him on stage or something like make it rain was a big song and i felt like that moment in the verses it wasn't treated right it wasn't showed in its proper light so it didn't hit the same like to me the way fat joe was performing he needed a hype man he wasn't saying he wasn't ending a lot of his verses a lot of his lines he would like the rhyming word at the end that part he would leave out constantly but it just didn't sound right because in some cases he was rapping over his track so like not an instrumental version so they had to have the track kind of like lower than his vocals so that you could hear him but because he's not finishing the ending words it sounds like a mismatch of energy because his mic is louder and then the volume drops when he stops rapping so you can hear the ending words from the backing track <clears throat> and it's just a weird way to do things like to me it just made me think back to the locks versus dips like the, the clinic that the locks put on on how to perform rap songs i felt like joe should have been watching like ja rule still in shape ja rule still look like as fit as he was when he made most of his hits he's still being like the sex symbol type of thing taking off the shirt like having the women cheer and go crazy and stuff for those moments like he can still pull those things off so like when fat joe was trying to get into that bag it didn't really work the same fat joe being fat joe and then yeah it was just like a massacre type of thing jaru won just based on what i saw It was interesting and since the last time i recorded this you know to get off of verses to wrap things up on verses like I, I enjoyed what i saw it was entertaining appreciated some of the nostalgia from joe and ja rule but although i don't feel there's that much nostalgia with some of the ja rule songs because we had an ashanti verses so like a lot of these songs were still more fresh in our memory because ashanti played the same songs or some of the songs because a lot of her hits came from those collaborations that she did with ja rule so it's like when ja rule pulls them out it's like we already know these records is not that same oh yeah i kind of forgot about that that was so great it took me back to a time it was still more fresh in my head like yeah you know we, we know those songs coming we was expecting those songs because like yeah we all know that was those were some of ja rule's biggest songs and they were huge songs so i get it wasn't mad at it and in that regard i can't appreciate the fact that ja didn't go through his entire ashanti catalog 
they did always on time um foolish i think they did maybe like two or three <clears throat> but they had more and he didn't play all of them but Joe Clinley, that was also kind of to give Ashanti a little break because she performed the one song with um with Ja Rule, then she performed the other song with Fat Joe, and then she came back and performed the one song with Ja Rule. So it was like Ashanti was just the star of the show at a more at the point in time. Oh, and back to the Nelly thing, because like he came out, he performed the song with Fat Joe. And then he performed Hot in Here, which is like but Fat Joe has nothing to do with this song. It's a huge song. It swung the momentum back in Fat Joe's favor because, you know, Nelly was one of Fat Joe's guests. But it's like, it didn't swing the favor and swing the crowd in Fat Joe's favor because of Fat Joe. Like, they was cheering for Nelly. And the fact that Hot in Here is like one of the biggest songs ever. Like, probably Nelly's biggest song of his career. Still gets sampled and referenced and used in commercials and movies and stuff. So it's like, Hot in Here is one of those classics. But <clears throat> I don't know. It, it was just a weird moment. But shout out to Jairo. It was entertaining, you know, from when I saw from the intermission to the ending that I saw. But yeah. I didn't really expect it to kind of go differently. Like, I was curious to see how Fat Joe would have performed, but he kind of disappointed me. I expected more from Fat Joe. I expected Jaru did what I expected him to do, but I expected more from Fat Joe. <clears throat> but, like, I think there was just some misjudgments of what is the hot shit from Fat Joe. Like, I, I don't think he's aware of I think there's a lack of self-awareness like he feels shit is really really dope but i don't know if he's checked it with the audience to see like do we agree like is these the fat the fat joe songs we like from you or is like i don't know it just felt like there was a little disconnect there <clears throat> maybe in the sequencing like when he played certain songs the way he introed certain songs like he swear this is not this one is gonna ring off this one is gonna be the smash and then it don't really hit like that or the crowd not that into it it was just kind of weird for fat joe the jadakiss moment was great you know he came he performed his verse but we like jadakiss just being jadakiss at this point so that wasn't even surprising didn't expect anything different that was just jadakiss doing what jadakiss was supposed to do also just wanted to say, you know, the Met Gala is weird. It happened recently, like I said previously, I believe. I think I mentioned it already, but you know, it happened recently. And I was looking at pictures from it. It's a weird event. I know that it's supposed to be weird. The whole point of it is to dress like super eccentric and all of that. But I think like I'm just not that kind of person that is into fashion enough to get it. Every year the pictures happen, they come out, all your favorite celebrities are there, athletes, entertainers, people in all kinds of fields. And like I mentioned, Kim and Kanye being there <clears throat> in their all black shadow night ghost ninja suits <clears throat> I don't even know what to call the nonsense saw Serena Naomi Osaka Lewis Hamilton Chance and his girl Steph and Aisha um, who else was there Not a lot of people Kid Cudi Frank Ocean Chloe and Halle and the majority of people there look weird AF. To me, some of the people that looked the best that night, that night was Steph and Aisha. They was just looking regular. Like elegant and, you know, classy, sophisticated and stuff, but regular. <clears throat> Rihanna and ASAP was there looking like they wearing grandma's blankets or something. 
Naomi Osaka looked like a cartoon character. Serena, I don't know what was going on with Serena. But this can just be my ignorance, uneducated, my low level of sophistication or understanding of what these rich people do with their money and time. Maybe that's just it. It's not for me. I don't get it. I just like regular looking people. Chloe and Halle, they look great as well. Halle had this pink thing that kind of looked like a perform something she would wear performing. Chloe had on this white dress. Long flowing kind of night like wedding dress ish, but still not really more like it had a long trail behind it. I was kind of wearing dress ish, but it was more like, you know, an evening formal gown type of thing. And she dropped a new video. Lord have mercy. Very enjoyable video clip. The song is interesting. It may just interesting to see what's happening with between Chloe and Halle as they kind of start carving out their own individual lanes. Seeing mini Beyonce becoming mini Beyonce. Meaning Chloe. Plus they're both talented. They're an interesting group. Like super creative pairing between the two of them. Listening to some of their projects, even though like, you know, it's not like music for me necessarily. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of their music like that, but I can see the talent, I can see the skill, I can see the difference in what they bring to the music scene compared to a lot of R and B people that are out. And to call them R and B is even weird because they make very alternative ish type of music, you know. Being mad talented with the actual musicality and playing instruments type of stuff. So like this Have Mercy song from Chloe Bailey is interesting. To me, she is doing what Normani, what people was expecting from Normani. What people was hoping for from Nor- Normani. Being somebody that had the skill set that could sing, dance, do it all together, had the look and stuff like that, that could potentially be like a Beyonce too. But it seems like Normani's going more maybe the Sierra, um, Janet Jackson type of direction where it's like it leans more towards the dance than the singing. Whereas it's kind of like almost the perfect fusion with a Chloe. Basically kind of paying homage to Beyonce. It's no coincidence she played Beyonce in, she played young Beyonce in one of the movies. I think it was the Temptations thing. Chloe was young Beyonce. Years later, Chloe is signed to Beyonce's label. Feel like these things is no coincidence. So we see Chloe kinda, you know, taking over on that end. Then we got Halle doing her own thing with the Little Mermaid. After coincidentally, after Beyonce played Nala, I think it was, whoever it was that Beyonce played in the Lion King reboot. The CGI one. <clears throat> and then once Beyonce is in with Disney, here comes Halle getting to play Ariel in the Little Mermaid reboot. Is it a coincidence after being being signed to Beyonce's label that these things happen? Who knows? But speaking of Lewis Hamilton, although not really, because you know I did kind of mention him in terms of he was there at the Met Gala. But in the world of F1, for those who don't know, I definitely recommend you checking out the series. I think it was called Drive to Survive, but it's on Netflix. And it's basically showing a lot of behind the scenes of what happens in the world of F1. Some of the um, political, the F1 politics. But just, it's a racing sport. Started in the UK, if I'm not mistaken bunch of car companies use it as like a super amazing advertising tool but it's interesting that as well <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into it from a technical perspective from a financial perspective like there's a lot that goes into f1 but since the last episode i recorded there's been two races there's been the dutch grand prix and there was the italian grand prix the Dutch Grand Prix was interesting being um, here 
well not here where I am but in the Netherlands where I'm located it happened at Zandvoort and it was like a whole big thing because it was the first time in like 16 years that they had a race in Zandvoort again because for whatever reason I don't know all the details there hasn't been a race in Zandvoort for a pretty long time I think it might have been track renovations or stuff like that I don't know but it was the first time in 16 years that they had a race in Sanford. And it was a super huge thing, which was just interesting. It was, it was interesting, especially considering some of the, I guess, considering the political climate currently in the Netherlands regarding everyone's favorite infectious viral thing that's going around. Because there was all the Dutch articles pointing out the hypocrisy that it seems to be when it comes to an event like F1 where there can't be no festivals, no clubbing, none of these type of events. But the F1 race is okay and all the annun- there's all the announcements that there's like 70,000 people in attendance at this thing. But then it all made sense apparently Willem and his family was there the king of Holland so it's like we can't cancel F1 if the king wants to go the king needs to be able to watch his cars race so forget what all the poor common people think about oh they want to go to festivals too bad you don't get to go to festivals but the king wants to watch F1 so the king and 70,000 people in orange shirts gets to watch F1 But aside from that point and the hypocrisy that was, you know, rampant in that instance, in that weekend, because this was like not one, it's a multi-day thing. It's like you have the qualifying, then you got the actual race like this, the practice and then qualifying and then the actual race. So this is like a three day type of thing. And you have people selling tickets and the tickets are insanely expensive. So basically it was like, oh, so the rich people, if you make enough money type of thing, the rules don't apply to you. And it was just blatantly in everybody's face. But aside from that point, Max Verstappen, the one Dutch driver on the grid for F1, he won the Sanford race. So it was like for the Dutch people, it was a huge like celebration in all ways because you had the, the, the only Dutch driver winning that first Dutch Grand Prix in 16 years and the celebration was crazy like over there at the event they had like the the, the um the orange flares and bef- like as soon as Max won the flares were already going off like people are still racing so you see like this orange smoke on the track and people still racing there's other people because Max came in first so of course the other people who were slower than him still got across the line and all of that but they don't care max one time to celebrate and i understand where they're coming from you know it's a dope thing because that's one of the things i appreciate about f1 it's like it's a very international thing it's a lot of different cultures and the way it's set up there's a lot of things to cheer for because every race is in a new location pretty much Like you have a driver from one place that represents a company that is from another place and then they go to different places. So like there's a mix of home field advantage for certain drivers at different times, even though it's still heavily like British dominated, being like Lewis Hamilton, George Russell and Lando Norris. Yeah. If I recall correctly, those are like the three British drivers that they have and they got some other people from different um places in the world like Carlos being Carlos Sainz being a Spanish driver Ricardo being Australian Botas Botas being a Finnish Sweden Sweden like one of those Scandinavian countries I forgot exactly where Botas is from but one of the Scandinavian countries basically a whole bunch of different European people and stuff like that Shout out to Lewis Hamilton being, you know, the one black guy on the grid. Yuki Sonoda being one of the 
he is a Japanese driver. <clears throat> Mix of cultures. And just the fact that it's like a super huge advertisement for the car companies at the end of the day. And car companies and whatever companies that get involved. Because, you know, Red Bull currently this year, like Max Verstappen drives for Red Bull. Red Bull does not make cars, but Red Bull has one of the best cars. Like, Max just won in the Dutch Grand Prix. And then there was a whole controversy between like Lewis and Max in the last race because they crashed, both did not finish, which allowed for other people who, because every race is pretty much top three is Max, is Max, Lewis, Bottas. In some order, it's going to be Lewis, Max, Bottas, or Valtteri, since I'm using first names for that reason. But. <clears throat> It's just interesting watching this championship unfold and seeing who's gonna win between Max and Lewis. I, I, like, I don't even remember right now who's leading. It's either Max or Lewis, because I haven't checked the standings in a minute and I don't recall them off top after the Monza. Because like I said, both Lewis and Max crashed. Both us came in third. Ricardo and Norris were first and second like i didn't get to watch that race that's why i'm not really you know focusing too much on the monza one but i actually watched the dutch grand prix i just saw the highlights and stuff from monza some of the post-race interviews breaking down the crash between hamilton and verstappen but i appreciate f1 because it's a sport that i could actually watch living on this side of the world I don't have to stay up at ridiculous times for like with basketball which is probably the only other sport I cared about following but living in the Netherlands you can't really follow basketball like that like I'm an old man I have things to do I can't just be you know staying up till two o'clock in the morning just to watch a basketball game I'm not that dedicated of a fan and I'm just not into football like that I know football is the big European thing but I'm just not into football like that so F1 is great, even though it's not like a traditional sport, sport is not something I could ever practice if I ever wanted to, because this is like the definition of a rich people thing. Just looking at the way it goes from the, like when you get into it, how the pipeline to even becoming an F1 driver operates, like how early people like Lewis and Verstappen and just the majority of the drivers that are on the F1 grid how early they start and how long of a trajectory it is and the backing you need to buy cars and to repair cars and all of these things it's a lot of finances that goes into f1 so it's like if you broke you can't even practice to become an f1 driver but regardless of that fact it still is a dope sport seeing people pushing engineering and technology to the limits when it comes to what these car companies do with these cars <clears throat> seeing the drivers push these th these technologically advanced supercars to the limits as much as they can when you've seen stuff like the crash between max and lewis it's people competing people fearless these people are different and they are like five seven bunch of tiny people <laughs> but all of that is why it's like the f1 driver is a different thing when you think on like an athlete and what an athlete is supposed to be like the f1 driver is a different thing because it's so much about the technicalities and just very small margins of difference in like a tenth of a second faster and stuff like that everything counts meaning like the weight of the f1 drivers is important there's a reason they're all small and light and have like very thin frames because if you add in, if you have somebody that is 80 kilos, let's say, inside of the car, that's 80 kilos of extra weight on that car that helps slowing it down, maybe just enough that you lose in that race. Like, you want somebody that is as light as possible, but still as resilient as possible, that is able to withstand the G-forces and stuff like that that happens when these cars are cornering the amount of, like, just the acceleration and the change in direction and... Like I said, the G-forces that I puts on the body, the pressure that I puts on the body is like, you got to be able to withstand that in these races, be like 60 laps, 70 laps, basically like an hour, 
or more sometimes these people are in the car it's hot there's no real air conditioning like that there's a lot of force or, or like pressures that the body is under so you still it's still not completely non-physical even though like the car is doing the drive uh, the racing i guess the driver is still going through some stuff isn't like you can't just don't underestimate it i guess is basically my point but you know with all of that being said i think we can pretty much wrap this episode there wrap, wrap this episode up there been talking for like 50 minutes i feel like that's a pretty solid amount of time for me you know so i hope you enjoyed it i hope you tune in subscribe like this video share it with your friends and everybody you know and then we get to you know the final segment which is basically plugs i'm gonna keep it shorter than i did on the last one you know but last one was just letting y'all know what i've been up to all the work that i've been doing so i went a little bit more in detail but you know to summarize check out some of the projects that i dropped over the past year i'm going to put links to them in the description the project with me and screw well i guess it was screw project swaliga tupac the woods pack by me summer vibes from TZ as well as Welcome to the Kingdom from TZ all on streaming services Spotify, YouTube, all of that stuff so make sure you check them out let me know what you think and I'll see you the next time we link up peace